Welcome everyone to the Jesus and Family Ministry Podcast. Our desire is to help build thriving families that produce great ministries. Settle in, grab a pad and pen, and we pray this is a blessing to you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, and I am excited to be here tonight. Excited to um, speak with you guys, or whenever you're listening to this. Um, I know it may not be night where you're at, but it is night for me. I'm not in my kitchen. Um, I'm not looking at my stove right now. Um, I'm actually uh, in an office, so kind of excited about that as well. Um, play with kind of the setup. I don't think I'll be staying in this particular position um on every episode but we'll see um give me some thoughts uh there's some things that i think i want to do and we'll see how that pans out and what that looks like um but yeah uh, welcome to my office um welcome to um this inter sanctum of mine so um but really excited about tonight really excited to talk about some things that i uh, pray will help some people um not feel as if they have to go through things um, the hard way in order to make life better. So um, I really want to talk about some things that I've learned um, over life um, and am still learning in some areas um, around discipline and around um, how our minds work. Um, and I'm really excited again to bring you guys what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we're going to be coming out of Proverbs chapter five. And um, I know for those of you all who are familiar with Proverbs, um, you're going to be like, well, why are we talking about that? But it's not what you think. I promise you, it's not what you think. Um, we're going to talk about some things that are principles that come out of the word of God. Um, they're going to help us. So with that being said, let's pray. And then we're going to jump in. Father, we come before you right now. God, we're thankful. God, grateful Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to gather, to listen to your word. And I pray tonight, God, that you would help me to bring across, God, what I feel like you've shown me. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open, Lord, to what it is you want to do. God, we give you glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So Proverbs chapter 5, if you know anything about Proverbs, um, you know Proverbs chapter 5 is about a father giving his son wisdom on staying away from the wrong type of woman, staying away from a woman who um, is a seducer, who is someone who... Um, is very good with her words, who's very good with talking a good game, um, but has not a good end. Her end um, is destruction. And so um, he gives that and he gives the, I don't want to say the antidote, but the opposite side, the flip a coin. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter five, verse one. I'm going to read it out of the KJV. And it says, "Is my son attend unto my wisdom and by, bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. So he's saying, Hey, listen to what I'm about to tell you, right? So that you can understand life so that you can hear, you'll understand and that your lips may keep knowledge so that you'll, you'll be able to speak wise things and you'll go the right direction for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. That is a description if I have ever heard one. Um, he's talking about how she can use her words and her sound, her verbiage, in order to capture the heart and mind of a man. But her ends is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her words are sharp as a two-edged sword. The only other thing I know in the Bible that talks about being sharper than a two-edged sword, sharper, not sharp as, but sharper, is the word of God. 
So her words are sharp as a two-edged sword. The word of God is sharper, but just that comparison is there. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that she can't, oh, that thou canst not know them so that you won't know them. Here this father is talking to his son and he goes, hey, I need to tell you about this type of woman. This type of woman, stay away from her because she's going to cause you heartache and she's going to cause you pain. She's a seducer. Seducer, she incites ideas of immediate pleasure. So she is there and she's talking to a young man and you hear this story later on in Proverbs chapter 7 and uh, Proverbs chapter 9. But you see this woman, she is able to use her words to create this desire for immediate satisfaction out of this young man. And he says, stay away from her. Don't, don't go there. And we begin to read, continue reading verse seven. He says, hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. He said, don't go near her house. Don't walk by her. Because if you walk by her, her power is her words, her verbiage, and her sound. And she will use those things in order to capture you. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy blood or body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. So here we have this father. He's talking to um, his son again, and he's, he's talking about this woman, right? So she's a, she's a seducer. She incites ideas of immediate pleasure. Her power is in her ability to cause someone to respond in impulse and to keep you from thinking she adjusts her tactics. So the father's talking to his son. He says, Hey, so that you don't think about what she's doing. So you don't think about where she's coming from. So you don't think about what the end will be. If you follow her, she adjusts what she does. She adjusts how she says it. She adjusts how she comes upon this young man. Proverbs chapter seven and verse and chapter nine tell us that she's loud. She's boisterous. I'll leave that alone, but it, to the extent that my mind wants to go to, but, to think about it this way, she is overbearing in a seductive way, meaning she is she's loud. She's there for you to see her. She's not hiding. She's not the wallflower. She's not the person who's just hanging out, not doing anything. But she is, in all reality, she is there for you to see her, and she wants you to see her. But the end that you get from her is one where, as the writer of Proverbs, Solomon's telling his son, the end of her is destruction. The end of her is that other people will have what you should have had. He talks about how others will be filled with your wealth, how others are going to 
be in the door of of your house, how others are going to consume what you worked for because you went to her house and you were enticed by her to follow her to do what she was wanting you to do. Why does that matter? Because the strange woman in this scenario could be a strange woman, meaning a woman who is out to seduce you, a woman who is out to um, bring someone down, right? So adultery or whatever, sex outside of marriage. It could be that. But in my life, what I have found is that the strange woman is not really a strange woman. The strange woman tends to be things that I am attracted by already, but that will destroy my future if allowed to. If you remember, um, there's an episode we did last year, um, and I talked about a story about a man named Mr. Anthony. <clears throat> and Mr. Anthony, um, he, I, I really truly believe God brought Mr. Anthony into my life to help me to become financially independent. And at that time in, in my life, I was so stupid. Um, and some people say, you may not want to say that word. Okay. I was so willfully dumb um, that in my mind, being with my friends, now my friends didn't say this and people I hung out with didn't say this, but being with them, meant more and spending money on things that I didn't need, but I wanted meant more to me in that moment than putting money aside and letting this gentleman that God put in my life teach me how to get into the real estate market, how to get into finances really well. Um, I allowed, I, by the grace of God, I allowed him to, to show me how to do some stuff with like 401ks and investing and things. But I was afraid of, of exposing my inability to handle money at the time. I was, I was wanting to hang out with friends and I was spending an incredible amount of money um, just doing stuff that now I look back has gone the way of the sewer, has been broken, has at one point in my life been pawned. Like things that brought me no value now, whereas what I was looking at at the time, what I was being offered by this gentleman would have brought me continuous value, right? So in my life, the strange woman has not actually been a strange woman. Now, there's been some times in my life where it has been addiction to pornography, things like that. But oftentimes, that's not where my big struggles have been. My big struggles, and what I want to help somebody with tonight, is my big struggles have been in the area of allowing my desire to overwhelm the idea, thought, and dream of the future that I want to have. Allowing my immediate to cause me to forget the future. Why is this important? Because Solomon goes on to say, drink waters out of thy own cistern, verse 15, and the running waters out of thy own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. 
that the fountain that thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant roe. He goes on to say, let her body satisfy you at all times and be thy ravished always with her love. So let's take this contrast and look at this really well. The strange woman equals pleasure that comes via impulse. The wife equals this thing that happens when we delay gratification in order to have something in the future. When I allow my life to be run by the strange woman and I go buy her house, there's things that I know like there was a point in my life and I'm pretty sure at this, um, you know, anybody who's my age or <clears throat> younger, like you've had, excuse me, my age or younger, you've had that moment of like Amazon being like that thing, right? Where you're just like spending money on stuff. Um, I remember there was a point in my life where I was just like buying watches. Cause I'm like, Ooh, that's a cool watch. Ooh, that's a cool watch. Ooh, that's a cool watch. And I would just find myself just like buying a season of this show, buying a watch here, doing this, buying a laptop, buying this, buying that. And, uh, my mom and dad used to shake their head and be like, Jonathan, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And in my mind, um, I was, I was, not taking away from my future. I was enjoying my present. But what I didn't realize was, again, that money that I spent on things, I was never going to get a return on my investment. I was never going to get anything back that was going to be lasting. Those watches have broken or been lost. Those DVDs that I bought have been thrown away or lost in moves or like all those things that I spent money on, spent time on. Now there's memories I've had with friends and I would never trade those memories ever. I just wouldn't. But the memories could have been had at less expense so that future memories could have been made with greater pleasure and greater fun. Some things that Solomon said, he says, drink waters out of your out of thy own cistern and running waters out of thy own well. Something to take into consideration, right? A well, especially back then, right? So a well has to be dug for those who, who don't, you know. A well doesn't just, you don't just like walk and find a hole and like, hey, we have a well, right? A well, you actually have to go take the time to find out where is the water, how deep is the water. And then you don't want to just dig to the water, but you want to find out how deep that water is. And make sure you have access to the layer underneath so that if the top layer dries out, you still have water, right? So you want that well to be deep. And he says, drink waters out of your own well. What you have taken time to dig with your own hands, what you have taken time to put the work in, the blood, the sweat, the tears, that's where you should find your excitement, your pleasure. It shouldn't be that every impulse is what brings you pleasure because if you look at it, the impulse is only going to last for so long. It's not always going to be there. It's not always going to bring the same happiness and excitement that you are expecting it to bring, but there's going to be a point in time where it ceases bringing you happiness and excitement. 
but your well that you've taken time to dig and you've taken time to put in, what you're going to see is that's where you're going to find your satisfaction. He goes on to say that the, the body of the wife will satisfy you. He did not say that about the strange woman. He did not say about her that she would satisfy you. And in my life, what I have realized is there the things that I have allowed myself to be impulse influenced generally do not bring me satisfaction in the long term. The scripture says that sin hath its pleasure for a season. It has a pleasure. I think there are some people who made the mistake of saying sin is not fun. My wife and I, when we were youth pastoring, we made the point of letting people know sin is fun, right? Procrastination is fun in the moment. Not doing what you're supposed to do for your future in the moment seems like a lot of fun. But when you get to your future and you've spent your whole life living in your present and never thinking about your future, what happens is you get to a place where now you are upset, you're broken, you're working for people because now you're in a position where you have put yourself in the debt of other people because you were not disciplined enough to say no. Now this could be money, this could be relationships, this could be all sorts of things. But in the immediate, it seems so much, um, so much like fun to procrastinate. There's that, um, there's that meme that says um, procrastinators unite tomorrow, right? That's the thing about procrastination is it's always about tomorrow. It's always about the next day. It's always about, um, well, there's another opportunity to get that versus being like, no, I got to do this now. Like I got to do this now. But here we have this, this contrast, the strange woman and you have the wife, the wife. Um, he says something about her being, um, the wife of thy youth, meaning she's been around for a while. Like you've been pursuing her for a while. Why would you go to a strange woman? Why would you go to this woman that you do not know that you've not spent time with that you haven't put the work into just to have a moment of fun, but it all be gone. And not only that be gone, but your wife be gone and all these other things be gone because you took a moment to satisfy an immediate pleasure versus stopping disciplining yourself and doing something else, doing what was right. When we look at life and we look at these different things, that's probably the biggest struggle um, that most of us face. Some people are really good at it. I'm, I've met some people who are absolutely amazing at being able to tell themselves no to anything and and focusing on exactly what they need to do and just knocking it out. And I sometimes am very jealous of those people because I am a person who struggles with that. That's a struggle for me. Like That's a struggle for me to just say no to myself. Um in some areas and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, push it away. Like that has always been one of those things in my life that I built a bad habit when I was young. And so it's taken a while to actually push that down, right. To be able to, um, look futuristically sacrifice for the future, not enjoy just the present. Right. 
And every now and then it comes back and you have to be like, okay, so I, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't, I can't act like that. Right. So there's that part of me that, that still, if I allow it, right, will go down that road. But as we look at this and we look at the principles here, the principle is move past being gratified immediately in order to be satisfied long-term. Solomon ends this by saying, he shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Talking about the person who allows himself to be caught up by this strange woman. Another version says that he will die without discipline. Now, without discipline, he's going to make a shipwreck of himself. There's a story. Um, my mom introduced me to audiobooks when I was a kid. And um, growing up, we didn't have a TV in our house until I was probably like 12 or 13, I think. Um, maybe a little earlier than that, but it was around that time. And so audiobooks for us were a huge thing. Um, I think I mentioned it before, but we would spend, you know, Friday evening instead of, you know, most families watching something. We were listen- or listening to a story and um, playing board games, doing something, hanging out, eating dinner, whatever. Um, it was a lot of fun, right? Cause I remember, I remember that being an amazing time in my life. And, um, <clears throat> but one of the things, um, one of the stories my mom let me listen to when I was young and um, was a story of, of David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. And it's a great story. Some people say that's actually the story of Charles Dickens. But in the story of, of David Copperfield, there is a man by the name of Mr. McCorber. And you're introduced to Mr. McCorber um, about a quarter of the way into the story of David Copperfield. And he just kind of pops it here and there. And then I won't ruin it for you if you're going to read it, if you've never read it. But it's a really good story. Um, very true to life. There's some stuff in it that is is heavy. Um, you know, he's abused by his stepfather, things like that. But it was it's a really good story and Charles Dickens just has a really good way of making things so true to life. But Mr. McCorber um, is a man who for most of the story, and you get the idea that before or not the idea you're actually told that before um, David Copperfield ever meets him, that he's a man who cannot resist satisfying the immediate pleasure of things that he wants to the point of him having to go to debtor's prison, um, being separated from his family, them having to run from city to city because his debts have piled up because instead of being a man who works and a man who um, does all those things, he goes and lives off of credit of, of his word and so when he does that, he doesn't ever really have money to pay back. And so um, he makes promises about paying back and people give him money and then he doesn't pay back. And all throughout the story, this is what you see. And he gives David Copperfield some advice. And he, one of the things that he says, he says, don't put off today or to, for tomorrow what you can do today. Procrastination is a thief of time. And he's like, don't, don't put things off. Don't. And you may say, well, this sounds exactly the opposite of what you're saying. Hear me out. Don't put off planning for your future. Don't put off saying, hey, 
There's some things that I really want to do in life. And I think this generation, you all have access to tons of information about if you want to learn how to do things in life, if you want to know about finances, investing, all of those things. Like it's all like right there. Like literally you just click something on YouTube and boom, you've got like a bajillion videos. Now you got to figure out who's talking the right talk and who's not by their results. But, um, you know, he's like, don't, don't try not addressing the issue, address the issue. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Don't put off addressing the issue till some other time, but address the issue now, put the work in now. So you don't have to worry about it later. And in life, I think that's what we really have to do is we have to look at our life, right? We're challenging the scripture to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. But I think we also should examine ourselves to see, are we headed down the right road? Are we headed down the road that we want to be down? Or are we allowing ourselves to be influenced by good words, good um, marketing by, oh, I need this. Oh, this is on sale or whatever it may be. This person seems like the right person. She seems like the right girl. He seems like the right guy. They have the right things to say. But in our heart, we know this isn't the right one. But right now, I feel like I want to be satisfied. Right now, I want to give in to this because I want some immediate pleasure. I want somebody to talk to. I want somebody to be texting when everybody else is texting. I want somebody to be calling when everybody else is FaceTiming. I want somebody to be looking forward to me getting back into town. I, I want that feeling. And so because I want that feeling, I'm, I'm willing to, to settle. I'm willing to, to not get exactly what I want and put it off. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do now. When we do that, again, we put ourselves in a very dangerous position. We put ourselves in a very dangerous place. Some things that we can do, though, to help us. Um, there's a... There's a gentleman, uh, doctor by the name of Dr. Huberman. I found him on YouTube and, uh, I don't necessarily condone everything he talks about. Um, I don't know that scripturally the Bible condones it either, but there are some really good things that he talks about. And one of the things he has, it's like a two and a half, three hour podcast episode of him talking about dopamine. And, um, it, it fits for you all who are like, what? We just went way over. No, we didn't just go way over. It fits, but he's talking about dopamine and it's really good. And I would encourage you to listen to it. Um, and he talks about how to retrain your brain. And um, one of the things he talks about is we are a reward generated people. So we have always been taught. Um, most of us, I would say, have been taught that we do things for the reward. We do things so at the end we have something right. And he said, what you have to do is you have to retrain your brain to, to think this way. I don't just enjoy the reward, but I enjoy the work. And he said, how you do that is you take away the reward. He says, and when you take away the reward, what happens is your brain begins to function to begin to re, re, retrain itself to think, okay, so it's the process that I'm enjoying, right? The process is something that I enjoy. And then when the reward comes, the the influx of dopamine is is that much greater, right? How does that work for us? We have to retrain ourselves, and this is a physiological thing, right? We have to retrain our brains not to be excited about 
the impulse, the immediate, the right now, but to train ourselves to begin to enjoy the process of planning and doing for the future, of enjoying what will come out of the work, of enjoying the digging of the well because we know the water in the well is going to be sweet. Not going down to where the water is very easily accessible, but understanding that when I dig this well, that well will be there for me from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, Lord Terry's 30 years from now, that this well will also sustain my family. This well will also sustain my grandchildren. This well will sustain my grandchildren's children. And being able to love the process of the work and retraining our brains to understand, hey, it's not about right now. Not that we don't enjoy some moments now, that we, not that we don't go hang out, not that we don't go grab some food and go out to eat, not that we don't go spend time with friends, but that we guard all those things and we put them in focus and we put them in um, priority. What is the priority? The priority is the future. The priority is making sure um, when I'm married, my family is able to do things that they want to do, not because... Um, we're just blowing money, but because we're able to do it because we've, you know, I've, I've set my life in such a way to fund that type of lifestyle, or I'm going to have a relationship with my wife that allows me to love her a certain way because I've, I've held off on all the other things going on. I've, I've not given myself to all the things that are going on because I want that to be sweet. I want that to be amazing. I want that to be everything I dreamed of it being. So I'm going to hold off on these things in order for me to have a a meaningful, amazing relationship, right? So we have to retrain ourselves that what we find pleasurable is not the reward, but the process. The other thing we have to do um, is become intoxicated now. I don't mean alcohol or, right? But he says that, he says, be thou ravished always with her love. And I remember the first time I read this um, in context of being married, and I realized that there is this moment where there's a difference between loving someone, being attracted to someone, and then being intoxicated, being ravished. You can tell people who are that way about their spouse. It's not fake. It's not phony. It's not fawning. There's just this mutual attraction that happens, and they sustain it, and they cultivate it. Um, there's a book, I forgot who the writer of the actual book is, but it's called um, Cherished. And he talks about how you find ways to build that up in your marriage. You find ways to build it up in your relationships that you don't just hope that it works, but that you build that up. And I think that comes back to the principle that we're talking about here as well, that we become engrossed in, and I don't mean in an unhealthy way, but we become engrossed in the process 
of, of making that future, making that thing happen the right way. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to get caught up being entertained by everybody else making their future happen. I am so guilty of that because I love watching other people do great things. I love watching other people do their thing. But the problem is, as I'm watching other people do their thing, I'm not doing mine, right? I'm not doing the thing that I want to do. If I'm watching other people podcast, I'm not podcasting. If I'm watching other people be great with their kids, I'm not being great with my kids. If I'm watching other people do amazing things with their wife, I'm not doing amazing things with my wife because at that moment I'm being entertained by somebody else doing it. And so one of the things I know that I've, I've felt is like Jonathan, where's your voice? Meaning for me, quit being entertained by others doing it and be focused, be intoxicated, be ravished by doing what you knowing your heart you want to do, being the father that you want to be, being the husband that you want to be, being the pastor that you want to be, being the boss that you want to be. Like be engrossed in being the best of that that you can be. Don't worry about everybody else. They're doing this, they're doing this. They're just, that's awesome. That's great. And I applaud you. And you've been an inspiration. There becomes a point where the people who are the inspiration can become a distraction. There comes a point where we can um, allow ourselves to be inspired to the point of distracted from our own goals. I've talked about it before and we had um, Jordan Easter on. He talked about how entertainment is that thing that holds you in between things. It doesn't allow you to get to where you're trying to go. It holds you between where you were and where you're going. And so if we allow ourselves to be entertained, we allow ourselves to be put in a position where we are being entertained by everybody else's voice, what everybody else is doing, how everybody else is doing it. And we're going to find that we're in a place where we are not doing, we are not becoming, we're entertained because this person read 12 books and they're talking about the 12 books they read. Well, that's awesome. But what about the four books you're going to read? It may not be 12 books, but it might be four books. You might be reading four books this year. How are those four books going to change you? Because those four books could change you in a way that that person reading their 12 books could never change you. Now, they may be giving you advice on what books to read, and that may be great. Like There may be books that you may, may, maybe need to read in the future, but where you're at and what you're going through and what you're trying to get to and where you're headed, is that the book for you? Maybe, maybe not. Do you know what book you're going to read next? Do you know what thing you're trying to do next? What are you trying to accomplish right now? When we are so caught up with immediate gratification, and this is the thing, when we're so caught up with immediate gratification, we forget everything. We forget our future. We forget what we're, our goals were. We forget where we were headed. We forget all of those things. And we find ourselves in a place where it's more enjoyable to be in fiction than it is to be in reality because reality takes work in fiction. Someone else has already done the work, right? Somebody else has already wrote the story. Someone else has already planned that out. And so it's easy to be entertained by that. But when we find joy in our own, our own story, when we find joy in our own work, when we find joy putting in the time and effort to do all the stuff that it, it takes to get it done, then when we drink from our well, will be satisfied. 
And last but not least, we want to please God. He goes on to say um, in verse 21, for the ways of men or of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all of his goings. God sees us. God knows what we are doing, where we're spending our time, where we're spending our efforts and our energy. And there's going to come a point in time where we stand before him and we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And I know that has to do with salvation, but at the same time, the Bible talks about receiving rewards for things done in the body. That when we have not taken the time to spend to do good, right? There's going to be a point where we stand before God. And I don't want to stand before God. I know I'm going to because he's God and he's holy and he's righteous and he's pure and he does all things well, right? So I know I'm not going to stand before God in any stretch of the imagination proud of what I have done. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying. But I don't want to stand there knowing I wasted it all knowing that I did not put forth a lick of effort to become what I was supposed to be. And I spent all my time watching other people become and being entertained by other people becoming and being enthralled by other people doing. And I never took the time to find out the vessel that he made me to be. I want to please God at the core of everything I want to please God. I want him to be proud of me. I want him to to know that he means so much to me that I'm willing to sacrifice so that he's pleased with me. And so with that, strange woman, impulse, the wife delayed gratification and hard work. The strange woman sounds fun. But the wife is satisfying. And I just want to encourage somebody with, with this, that if you're, if you're in a place where you're struggling, read Proverbs chapter 5. Just read Proverbs, really. But read, read Proverbs chapter 5. And um, take a moment to listen to the writer give his his thoughts on what it takes to have a successful life. Because if you read the converse, right? Because if other people are going to have your wealth and other people are going to get um, fruit from your labor, if you follow the strange woman, then conversely, if you hold to your wife, if you hold to that journey, then you will have your wealth you will eat the fruit from your own labor. You won't labor in the house of a stranger. So conversely, there's the good that happens when you hold on to and you delay gratification long enough to get the work done. So just want to encourage you. Hopefully um, you found this encouraging, uh, challenging, and um, to a point entertaining, but not to the point of being entertained. Um, that famous line from that one movie. Um, but yeah, so I just want to say thank you for joining me. Thank you for allowing me to ride along with you, jog along with you, um, hang out with you in your home. And, uh, hopefully 
again, this brought some value to you. And uh, if you've not checked out our other episodes, um, they're not all video, but if you have and not checked them out, check them out. We're on anchor.com. Um, we're on iTunes. We're really everywhere right now. We are actually in eight different countries, which is amazing. And I want to say thank you um, to you. I want to say thank you um, for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching now that we're on YouTube and this will be on YouTube as well as a video, but, um, thank you for all of those things. If you saw the hoodie, you like the hoodie. Um, we have had this hoodie for a couple of years now, but, um, if you like this hoodie, I think no a year, we've had this hoodie for a year. Um, but if you like the hoodie, check us out, Jonathan S dot gray dot com. And um, we got all sorts of merch, different things, book that I wrote, all that fun stuff is there. So thank you guys again, trying to stay true to the promise I made to you all first of the year that we're going to be dropping twice a month and I'm looking forward to the next episode and spending time with you. God bless.